Hello and welcome to the Bride Tender Podcast. My name is Esty Gordon. I'm your host and I am here to tend to the brides like I tend to the bar. So mix yourself a cocktail and let's get ready to discuss all things weddings. Today I'm here with wedding planner Sarah Greenberg from Forever Young Events and we're going to discuss something that a lot of people are nervous to discuss. A lot of people have questions on and just don't really know where to begin, which is the wedding budget. And by the wedding budget, I really mean realistic prices of what you will see kind of in the tri-state area, but really in any major city. I know that things are maybe a little bit different outside of the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, but I want to give kind of a roundabout idea for a lot of our brides who currently got engaged or in the middle of planning, um, trying to figure out what pricing options are out there, what you should shop around, what, you know, isn't really as negotiable. And I wanted to bring on one of my favorite people in the industry, which is Sarah, because she's just a wealth of knowledge. And I think that this podcast, we're going to make it a little more casual than usual, a little more casual, not at to make the budget, not as scary (laughs) as what people think. (laughs) Casual, casual is good. Casual is good. I feel like casual is needed in these COVID times, you know? People yeah, got enough stress. The new, yeah, casual is the new, uh, the new norm right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Sarah, I really am so excited that you came on today. I'm glad you were able to, you know, you had some time to come on and that you were you were down for my idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what kind of questions you come up with, but uh, I will answer <laughs> to. I will answer to the best of my ability, as always, and um, give everyone, you know, my insight and as much information as possible. Listen, that's that's all that we could ask. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want more information, you're just going to have to hire me. So that is basically my sales pitch of the night. So there you Um, go. A hundred percent. And I will say, Sarah comes highly recommended. She she has a, a lot of years in the industry. She knows what she's talking about. She knows the best venues, vendors, where to go, where to fit your budget. You know, if you're looking for somebody to work with for your special day, Sarah is a go-to girl. Thank you. <clears throat> <laughs> so I wanted your take on this. Um, as now Sarah obviously is on the planning side. Um, she goes all over uh, me. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that my background where yes, it is in planning. I also now come from a sales side, which I am on the venue side of things and um, working more exclusively in one venue opposed to going all over. So something that I kind of wanted to get your feedback on is a lot what I what I tell a lot of brides and and I I think that this rings true is that 
the venue, once you book the venue, it's kind of half your battle. And I mean that, I don't mean that all the stress is taken away or anything like that, or that there's nothing else to plan, because of course there is. But when you book the venue, you now know what date you're getting married. You now know the location you're getting married. So now you can really start the, like the rest of the planning. Yeah, I mean, well, booking your venue is obviously not just a huge part of the process, but it's also a the largest, almost largest, could be largest, um, like ticket number, uh, depending on where it is and, you know, your guest count and all of that. So booking the venue is definitely a huge item on your budget sheet. And you're you're right. I mean, it's definitely half the battle. Because I, now, you, then you have to figure out all the other vendors that are going to become your wedding team, your team of experts for the rest of, you know, the rest of the planning process. Right. And I, I usually do say that it, it kind of equates, I would almost say, to 50% of the wedding, of the wedding cost. It is, it is one of the bigger numbers. Of course, if you go with... um outside catering you know and the venue fee is different you know like and or if the venue's not not providing um all the rentals and stuff like that it could be a little bit of like a disparity but i i will say if you are going with a with a venue hall that has catering on site and your tables and your chairs and possibly your linens on site it could be around 50% of where your budget will be seen. It could be. I mean, you know, like we said, this is definitely a more casual conversation because everyone's wedding budget is going to depend on the amount of money they want to spend, the amount of people they're going to invite, where they're getting married and what their vision is. So as much as a venue can be 50%, it could be well under that or it could be over that. So, you know, it really depends on your decor, where it is, does, does the venue need extra, you know, extra loving as far as decor, you know, is it more of a raw space versus a space like a ballroom or a catering hall that already has some character to it. So it's, it's all things to keep in mind when you are starting the process and trying to come up with the budget. And it's definitely, um, it's definitely an expensive ticket item, uh, but it could, it could vary based on the different dates, the different time of year, which I'm sure you're going to get to in your questions to me, but <laughs> it's... Um, it's definitely a lot of money uh, when you're in the tri-state area, which is basically what you're directing. I mean, you're targeting for the most part with your podcast. Um, and it can definitely, definitely jump up your bill for budget. Right. Now, with it being, you know, typically one of the higher end items that you're booking, um, there are so many different options as in you might choose a venue that has all in, you know, a price per person. You might have a venue that offers a site fee 
but you need to bring in your own caterer or something that's a blank slate where the client has to bring everything in themselves. And should you decide to go with a venue which offers catering on site, what is kind of a price range that you've seen for the tri-state area, like like where things, you know, start to, you know, uh, the higher end? Where do you kind of see those numbers? Well, that's, I, I'd have to say, I would love for you to be a little bit more specific, but if it's a venue that has everything there, um, from what I see, there is still, uh, for the most part, a ceremony fee or a site fee. Um, even at the venues that have everything, a country club or a venue in Manhattan, let's say, if it is a venue that's going to be doing a turnover, they will charge possibly, again, this is a general you know, general statement, but they could charge a ceremony fee, which it would be like the setup and the breakdown of the chairs before the turnover or something like that, which could be anywhere from like $1,000 to $5,000 or $6,000. It really depends. Those are questions you should definitely ask. Um, and price per person is going to range. I mean, everybody knows that Saturday night is the most sought after night for any sort of affair, whether it's a wedding, a corporate event, a birthday party, everyone wants to go out on a Saturday night. So Saturdays are going to be the most expensive nights across the board. Um, Fridays would then be next and then Sundays. Um, some venues are going to be able to host more than one event at a time. So those are the venues that you may be able to get a better deal. Um, it's going to be contingent on which venue you're talking about. I can't, you know, give exact numbers out, but you could be anywhere from $50,000 on a low end, $40,000 maybe on a low end, um, just for venue alone, all the way up to $150,000, $200,000 for just the venue. Um, right. it's really going to depend on the amount of people you have, what your minimum is. You are, you are held to your minimum. Um, yeah, it's, a. as much as I want to be able to give you an exact number to budget for a wedding, it's really going to be dependent on the amount of people that you are inviting and expecting and do not listen to everything you see and read online because there's no percentage of people that do not attend or attend. Um, my clients must also be very, very well liked because I'll tell you the past two years, it was like a 5% decline rate. You know, like the, everybody was coming to these weddings. You know, nobody was saying no. There's no 20% say no. So yeah. be very careful and have a plan B list. And if you are going to get a lot of no's, then yeah, you can invite people as it gets closer to date. But yeah. you should consider all of those things when you're booking the venue alone because then you still have a list of other vendors to consider, depending on what the venue gives you, like you said. You know, it could be a raw space where you have to bring everything in, but the venue's going to tell you that. You know, Sands Point Preserve, I've worked there a million times. Sands Point Preserve is a place where you're paying to be there, 
and you have to use their rental company they recommend. You have a caterer through them, but it's not included in, you know, a site fee, obviously. So your price per person will be like the caterer plus the site fee, and then you have to bring everything in. And some people, you know, don't understand that and the cost that comes with that. Right. And I will also just to add in is that when it comes down to expecting people to say no to your wedding, I almost feel like kind of telling, you know, any listener who's listening to this is that don't expect that anybody is going to say no. If they do say no, they say no and you'll be, you'll be fine. But don't expect that they're going to say no. If you are planning to invite 220 people, don't plan on them being like, but we think we're going to be at 180. Because the truth is, you want to book a venue that is going to have the room to accommodate all of your guests. Um, I've seen in the past, just from my experience over just like 10 plus years, is people who want to book a venue because they love it. And I totally, I totally understand that. But they say then that they can't get their guest list down. And they're expecting 250 people in a venue that can only fit 200. You know, it'll never work the way that you would like it to where anyone could be comfortable. And the truth is, a venue that can accommodate that won't accommodate that based on their fire regulations. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you know, there's a list of questions which you could probably Google, but like what to ask the venue. And number one is going to be how much are you going to charge? How much is it price per person? And then you have to remember in New York State, New Jersey, and in the city, it's even different. But like everybody has a plus plus. So there'll be an administrative fee. There'll be a city tax. There'll be a New York State tax. There'll be a Jersey, whatever. You know, like there's... There's a lot of pieces that people don't consider when they first book a venue, which is your first step, obviously, um, to consider your price per person. When someone says, oh, it's $150 per person, everyone's like, oh, my God, that is the best price ever, which is sounds crazy to begin with, right? Because you're like, oh, my God, $150 per person. What am I going to do? And then they're like, plus, plus. And it becomes $200 a person when you include gratuity, which you end up tipping at the end anyway. So it comes out to $200 a person, you know, you know, Manhattan can be 350 plus plus, you know, 25% administrative plus New York state tax plus gratuity, you know, it's, it's definitely something people don't necessarily consider. And that's why when they say their guest count, they want to invite 250 people and the venue can only accommodate 200. Like you said, there's a problem, right? And you really need a plan B. Now we happen to be in the time of COVID, which I didn't want to talk about, but I feel like it needs to be talked about where a lot of people are still in the next two years potentially not going to be comfortable coming to weddings. So that does not mean you should invite two times your guest count because you'd be surprised. Like the people that are on your wedding list should be the people that you want to be at your wedding. So people are going to do whatever they need to do to come to the wedding. But because of COVID, people may be a little skeptical. 
and they may not be able to travel or they may not be comfortable or whatever. So, you know, I just, I am hearing more and more often now that guest lists are higher because they have more people on thinking that more people aren't going to (laughs) come. And I don't advise that sort of thinking because, you know, it's not the worst thing if some people aren't coming because they're not comfortable and your guest list is a little smaller than you thought. But that's why you should make sure your minimum is an appropriate amount of people, depending on what the venue says and what, you know, you can afford. Yeah, no, I I agree with all that. Um, I definitely think don't, don't plan for, you know, thinking that people won't show up, plan for thinking that they will all show up so that you pick the right venue to match your guest list. You don't also, you got to understand too, that a lot of these rules, a lot of the regulations that we're used to following are going to continue to evolve and change throughout the remainder of this year and probably next year. So tables that you used to be able to have 12 people at, you're probably not going to be able to have 12 people at a table anymore. It's going to be somewhere maybe between 8 to 10 at max. So that's going to give you more tables in the, in the ballroom or more tables in the space. And what happens when you have more tables? You have more centerpieces. So, you know, it, it just it adds to a budget item that a lot of people tend to think is less expensive. But, you know, I've seen on flowers people spending $5,000 for a small wedding of 20 people all the way to, you know, $200,000. Like it really, really depends, like I said, on the client's budget, vision, and where the wedding is. So like you're 100% correct in stating that obviously things are changing. And we are, we're speaking on a podcast where it's most likely potential brides, right? And people who are newly engaged are listening. And those are the people that are now planning a wedding during COVID. And yes, COVID is still here. It's happening. People are having weddings. People are seeing it on social media. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean that, you know, certain protocols are not being taken or are being taken. Every situation is different, you know, depending on where it is and what their the amount of people they have. But in looking at the future in 2021 and 2022, you know, I have clients for both years. You know, I had someone reach out for 2023. And I'm like, what? Like, that feels like it's so long and far away <laughs> from now. But, you know, it's somebody who's just newly engaged and wants to have a long engagement, which nobody would have ever thought twice about, you know, last year if they were saying, oh, it's, you know, 2019 and I want to get married in 2021, you know, but it just feels like, or 2022, it just feels like it's so far away. But, you know, everyone's taking their own precautions with COVID. And my advice regarding budgeting, I know we got off our path a little, but as far as budgeting and planning a wedding right now would be to discuss with your venue the amount of people that is the minimum, the amount per person, and find out what the plus plus is you know, and ask whether it's a city, Long Island, New Jersey, what are the taxes? What are the administrative fees? Is gratuity included? It's usually not. 
So like, make sure you make a note about that because you should tip, you know, the, the management and the staff yeah. when the wedding, when the wedding happens, there's a lot of work that goes into planning a wedding and it's whether you have a planner or not, the venue definitely has a huge team helping out. And that would be your starting point. And then coming up with your list of all the other vendors, which would be your entertainment, your floral and decor uh, invitations are so often forgot. They're like totally forgotten in the budget. But invitations could be cheap. You could do it. Definitely do it on a budget through Minted or um, what's that other website Zazzle or somewhere yep. online, or you can use a professional. You know, I work with a ton of invitation people, fancy that New York city, Susan Learhoff on Long Island and invitations can range, but you have to go in saying how many invites and what your budget is, or like come up with a budget. It could be like $1,500. It could be less, but you know, they'll work with you if they can but everyone will suggest if you have a smaller budget to do something online, it may be, it may be cheaper. Transportation. Right. How about your officiant? Rabbis aren't free. You know, if you're not getting married at a temple, you have a rabbi or you have a priest or you have just an, an officiant. Yeah. So that costs money. So like that goes into your budget. Bathroom baskets? Are you going to do cocktail napkins? Like my budget sheets, my clients always, we come up with these budget sheets and it's different for every client. But, you know, last year I did so many budget sheets because I had so many weddings on my calendar this year, which, you know, all moved to next year. So I love all my clients, if anyone's listening. Um, and I feel <laughs> for everyone. Um, but the budget sheets are like every single line item, like everyone's so detailed now that it's like cocktail napkins. What if we want napkins to wash, like after we wash our hands in the bathroom, like those are all items that could range from like $50 to $200, but it's still technically a line item in your budget. And those are things that are forgotten. Your gratuities for every vendor. Whether you choose to do it or not, you should put it in your budget sheet as an estimated price so that when you look at the bottom number and it says $250,000, it includes every single cost that should be thought about so that you can take things away. I'm big on seeing like big numbers and then taking things away versus seeing smaller numbers being like, woohoo, our wedding's only going to be a hundred grand. And then we're like, oh shoot, we forgot the limos. Oh man, what are we doing about the rehearsal dinner? You know, place cards. Oh my God, nobody's going to have a seat because we didn't think about place cards and that's going to cost me $250. You know, like there's so many little things that get forgotten. So as much as the venue is 50%, like you said, it's just like a, a little piece to the very, very, big puzzle right right it's it's the beginning of the planning that's how I always tell people it's it'll set you up with um with you you know what date you're going to end to have at that point you know the location so people you can start you can get the ball rolling if you have to set up a room block with event with um a hotel that's close by or if you um, you can send out your save the dates. Um, it's, 
it's not the whole it's definitely not the whole puzzle setting the venue but it it will get the ball rolling on the rest of the planning it gets you the date it gets you the location so yes everything else can sort of fall into place um this would be a much more casual conversation if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic but (laughs) anyone who is planning for 2021 or you know beginning parts of 2002 22 uh pick a date (laughs) call your venue talk to talk to whoever you need to talk to because the dates are not really there for next year you know there's very very few dates and if you make a list of the most important items that you like that are the things that are most important to you about your wedding and Saturday night is your most important, you know, item because for most Jewish people, you have to get married on a Saturday. I mean, you can get married on a Thursday or a Sunday, but most prefer a Saturday. Right. So, you know, for those clients and those prospective brides who are, you know, newly engaged, it's going to be very difficult to get a Saturday. So, you know, there's a lot more availability towards the latter part of 2021. Um, But I would say as far as budgeting, as far as planning, if you are newly engaged, you should start reaching out to planners and hire one. If you're not using a planner, reach out to the venues, get their availability and like go see the venues, put your mask on, wear gloves, do whatever you need to do and go see them. Because we're doing walkthroughs at different venues and everybody needs to see the space, ask their correct, like their questions about, you know, size, weather, backup plan, if it's an outdoor venue and get something booked because, you know, I'd hate for you to wait any longer and be disappointed that you couldn't get a date in 2021. Right. And a lot of people who are on like... Are, who are on a budget that maybe feel like Saturday is out of their price range. There's nothing wrong with going to a Friday or a Sunday. Um, like I know a lot of, you know, a lot of our Jewish brides who are listening, they can't get married on a Friday just due to if they want to get married by a rabbi. And I totally understand that. But if you, if you are, you know, not looking to get married by a rabbi, you know, not being Jewish or just like it's not part of your your faith or your culture. There's totally nothing wrong with going to a Friday or Sunday wedding. You know, you're able to save a little bit more money while also still having that weekend vibe. So I say to any of my clients and some of my friends who have had to move their weddings next year, they move to Sundays or they move to Fridays. And I said, and I will stand by this, no matter what date the wedding is on, the people that are supposed to be there and that you want to be there will be there. Yep. And 100%. That's you know, Jewish, the, the religion thing is different. You know, as far as Jewish clients, whether it's a rabbi or not, you really can't have a wedding on a Friday because of Shabbat and the amount of guests that you're, you're possibly inviting that cannot go. So like religion aside, a lot of people are, you know, if you're marrying someone who is of a different religion, you can maybe have a, you know, a more, I guess, reform rabbi to do a ceremony and have a priest or have an officiant 
And I became an officiant for that reason. You know, there are a few situations where I've had clients where rabbis have gotten sick or rabbis weren't able to make the date or we changed the date and they're not available. Like I can step in and do that if I ever had to, you know, so there's different dates and different flexibility based on the vendors that you have. But if you're switching your wedding, that's totally different. You have to reach out to your venue and all your vendors before you pick a new date because you're going to be disappointed when you move your date with the venue because someone puts pressure on you to move it and all your other vendors are not available because that has happened, you know, due to what's going on. But, you know, a Friday wedding, one of my very good friends had to change her date, ended up picking a Friday. I said, People will take off work. You have more than enough yep. notice. You sent out a save the date. You changed your date. People are going to come. If they can't come, they'll come later, but they'll still show up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, venues are pushing every day of the week because, you know, a wedding is a celebration. Weddings are not going anywhere, COVID or not, and they're going to happen. So it'll happen on the date that's most convenient for the couple and the couple's family. And it'll all be based on their budget and the time of year for the venue. Yeah. And also, I mean, <clears throat> obviously there's nothing set in stone about this, but I do feel that we used to have a prime, our prime season was always May through October here in the tri-state area. I can't speak May for through like- October. You may as well say the whole year. Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I will say a lot a lot of what I used to see was May through October because everybody wanted that good weather. Then we we inched into November. And then before you knew it, you were in December because people wanted the holiday time. And now you have April because it's cherry blossom season. So, you know, your January, February, March might be a little bit slower than the rest of the year but I I think after everything that's happened with COVID and people having to push back that we're no longer going to have uh an in season it's going to be all year round I noticed that over the past couple years I mean some of you know I do weddings every single month of the year And I had lunch with one of my clients who got married this past January. And her name is Lindsay Feingold, soon to be Fink when they officially change her last name. And I have to say her wedding was in January. It was the Mandarin Oriental in the city. And it was like 70 degrees or something. It may have been warmer. And it was in January. Like it was a beautiful, a little bit warm day in January. You know, then I had a bride in February, Jessica, that was, it was a little chilly. There was definitely a chill because it's February, but you know, it's, they happen all year round. Some of my, some of my most memorable weddings of last year were in November and December, you know, in Manhattan. Yes. It's around the time of the holiday. It's another factor you have to consider if you're flying in and out of New York, it could be more expensive. You know, there's a million variables for every single month. Right. You know, when is flu season? God, I don't even know. Like when is COVID season all year round? So like, there's like <laughs> there, you know, there's the holidays in New York city, which some people are like, Ooh, I don't want people to spend the extra money flying in and out. But now because of COVID, Flights are either going to be really expensive or they're going to be really cheap because airlines need to fill up their planes. 
Yeah. So like, there's a lot of things that you need to consider and do research on and it can, it can affect your budget either in a positive or a negative way, depending on what your budget is. Yeah. And, and I want to also say that I am somebody who has a January birthday and I might have told this story before, but I'm not entirely sure. But if you know me, you do know this story is that my bat mitzvah, which was many, many years ago now, um, (laughs) was on a snowstorm. Okay. And 97% of the people who were supposed to like be there were there. Um, Honestly, I only had a handful of people who didn't show up due to, you know, distance and driving in the snow and whatnot. And like, no matter what, like, just think about that. We had two feet of snow on my bat mitzvah and 97% of the people came. So if you're ever worried about doing a winter wedding because of snow, because of this, because of that, whatever, um, whoever's meant to be there will be there by hell or high water by two (laughs) feet of snow or without it. And honestly, the likeliness that you're going to have feet of snow is slim. You know, it's only likely that that would happen to me because if you know me, (laughs) like that would happen. Um, (laughs) But it's totally not like I would like almost don't worry about choosing your wedding based on a certain month of the year or whatnot. Because sometimes when you decide to go into months that you think are like less popular, it could work to your financial benefit. And I will leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, every month has its pro and con, right? So whether it's financial on a venue side, financial, benefit or negative on a vendor side based on availability, you know, for the next year, we have to take into consideration that everyone from this year moved to next year. So it's just like, it's either slim pickings or people are going to either charge a premium to book certain things, or they're going to be giving you deals. It's going to be all dependent on the vendor, all dependent on the venue. You know, as far as New York and the tri-state area, there are things to consider in picking a wedding date. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't, like, you shouldn't pick a certain month because of an exact thing that happened years ago. And that's what you think may happen. You know, like, in October, November, it's hurricane season. Like, it is hurricane season. Granted, you know, New York doesn't totally get slammed. But one of my clients is a, she's, you know, a meteorologist. I did her wedding good friend of mine she got married in October it was also the New York City Marathon (laughs) try getting a hotel room like nobody even thought about it you know we figured it out obviously because you know we work together and she's a meteorologist during hurricane season or right before when we were able to book the wedding and it was also New York City Marathon so like (laughs) there are things (laughs) you kind of just need to google the date look it up see what the weather was like, go to the almanac, whatever my clients do that I don't do, because I don't necessarily believe (laughs) in all of that. Um, And just pick a date, whether it's, you know, your anniversary, your birthday, your parents wedding anniversary, whatever the date has me if the date has meaning to you, 
then don't even look backwards. Don't listen to what anyone else has to say. The second you get engaged, opinions are going to fly. People are going to tell you who to use, what to do. You kind of have to just yes, everyone, say thank you. Listen to some of their, you know, opinions. Maybe write some notes, make some notes about like who they're recommending. And then you really have to kind of go with your gut and your budget. Like there are certain things that people that I know that are clients and friends that love, but they didn't choose it because it's not in their budget. You know, you don't want to go completely broke on your wedding day. Yes, exactly. Um, a hundred percent for your that. wedding day, not on your wedding day for <laughs> your wedding day. Right. And, um, I think that there, there's so much room to just like see a bunch of things and see what you like versus what you don't like before making a decision so quickly. Um, especially if you're flexible on time of year or the date or whatnot. So what I'll say to that, and I think this will kind of sum the whole thing up is venue pricing is going to be different based on the time of year, based on the, the date and whether it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or if it's 2021, 2022, whenever. So the venues alone, like I can't answer what every single venue is going to charge because I don't know because I've seen so many contracts, so many dates, so many prices based on the amount of people, etc. But anyone who is listening and who is a part and, you know, a part of the podcast, listening to the podcast, heard about the podcast, whatever, I can and they can email me, anyone can email me. And I will provide a list of all of the items that I have had on a budget sheet, not giving you pricing, but I will give you a list. So these are the things to consider, whether or not you choose to do them, whatever, you know, like everything from a breaking glass. What about your Ketuba pen? Like if you don't use Ketuba.com, it doesn't come with a pen. So like you have to buy a pen, it's $5. Like those are the things that like, everything goes into a budget and I can give that to anyone who's listening on here. And should anyone have any other, you know, questions or want to hire a planner, whether it's me or someone else and they want pricing and packaging, they can reach out to me. But I think in order for this, you know, this podcast and conversation to kind of come together I think the better idea would be I can provide you a list of all the things that you could possibly do for a wedding. Maybe some things aren't on there. Maybe you want someone hanging from the ceiling. Like, <laughs> good luck. It costs a fortune, by the way. Um, you know, if you want it and you can afford it, it's thousands of dollars and it looks really cool. But, you know, that could be like an asterisk on the bottom of your budget sheet. Um, but I'm happy to provide that at least to get, you know, the budget conversations going because it's all going to be, it'll be a huge shock when you put all the numbers to paper. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, now wanted to ask you, and I'm not sure if you can answer this, but there's so there's a lot of additionals when it comes to booking venues or places or you know off site 
that like site fees, um, you know, we spoke a little bit about um, which you can see really hotels, mansions, beach or waterfront properties, wineries. Um, and a lot of the site fees can range anywhere from like 3000 to, you know, six figures. Um, are there any venues that you've seen or worked with that you recommend that have a somewhat, you know, affordable site fee? Uh, um, site fee for what? As in just like the space rental itself. So, you know, we spoke a little bit about price per person and we know that the admin fee and the sales tax is going to be, you know, you know, on that as well. Are there any venues that, um, like where, like, have you, what, is, what's the range that you've seen like site fees range? I mean, it's all, there are venues that don't have a site fee. I mean, it's kind of a weird ish question because, you know, a site fee could be at a venue that has a price per person, but then they charge $1,500 or $2,000 to do ceremony setup and breakdown. You know, then you can have a site fee just for ceremony of $5,000. You know, I, off the top of my head, can't answer with anything that's under what you said, like 3000 mm -hmm. just yeah. off the top of my head doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just don't know um, what to recommend. Mm -hmm. And if it would, it would really also be contingent on, is it just for the ceremony versus the ceremony versus the reception? So it's really just, it's a better question for anyone who's listening that is pricing out venues to just ask, like, is there an additional site fee? You know, there are certain venues that have a site fee regardless, whether it's price per person or not. Like Ohika, you know, most of most of the venues on Long Island have a site fee because that includes their setup and breakdown of ceremony if you're having ceremony on site. You right. know, some people are doing a church, some people will do a temple. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you're doing a ceremony on site and the room or the venue is being turned over or cleaned up, there will be traditionally, there will be a fee. Right. So that's just, it's good for people to know that, you know, the, some of the additional costs that are involved opposed to just your, your vendors and your price per person plus plus is that. They're usually, and you know, not always, but usually is some sort of site fee to also be put into, you know, your budget spreadsheet that you work with so that you know about that fee upfront. Well, the site fee you should put in with whatever line item your venue is. Now, you know, I don't want to give away all of my expertise and information for free here. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, every venue has different rentals that are available. So if you think about it like that, add that to your list. You know, when you go and meet with a venue, ask them what kind of tables they have. They only have rounds. Most venues only have rounds. If you are looking to do a long table setup, flanking the dance floor, which means 
on both sides of the dance floor. So if you walk in, you're looking at the band or the DJ on both the left and the right side, people are putting long tables with their bridal party because these bridal parties lately have been so big. So they're putting everyone in their dates there because it's the younger people. They're going to be dancing the whole time. So they're not obstructing view. And that's why we put everyone there. Those tables are rented. Those tables are not included. So, you know, there are certain things. Ask to see the chairs. What chairs? Oh, you have chairs and tables available and a linen. That's great. What do they look like? Just so that you know, when you go meet with your florist, that you have to tell them, we also need long tables. We also want to do an overlay because it's very rare that anyone uses just the plain tablecloth that's given to them. You know, a lot of floral decor and myself included, when we go see different flower arrangements, we're going to say, oh, my God, you have to do this overlay or this will pick up the sparkle. And it's like a nice, like added, subdued sort of detail that will just make the room look nice. You know, but those are all additional costs that people don't think about when they're booking a venue. Right. No, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of brides, they look on Pinterest, they're parts of different Facebook groups that talk about, you know, weddings and wedding planning and budgets and, you know, how much people spend. And it's also, I want to kind of add this in is that obviously I noted that Sarah and I work mainly in the tri-state area and in New York which of course, as a lot of you might know, is on the higher, more expensive end of weddings. Um, This might not apply to, you know, another state or closer to another city or whatnot. Although a lot of states have their very, you know, popular cities, you're going to feel you're going to feel these same prices in Miami, Florida, you're going to feel them probably in the higher end of South Carolina, Atlanta, um, they're going to see that as well. Boston, Philadelphia, um, probably around the around similar pricing. But when you go on to a lot of wedding groups on Facebook, on Instagram, on um, maybe even LinkedIn, is that people will talk about what they spend on their wedding, and it could be totally different prices than like what you're hearing right. I, I understand that. I just want you to also realize that different locations have a little bit of different pricing. And we're, we're here, we're speaking really on New York, tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Pennsylvania, Hudson Valley, upstate New York. That's where we're talking about. Well, on, on a separate note, sort of tying into what you just said, um, you know, Facebook groups, Instagram, what I'm saying right now, it's all opinion. You know, I have seen a lot. I've worked with clients with all different kinds of budgets. The, the information and the guidance that I'm giving you in this podcast is really just sort of my, my guidance based on what I've seen. So like, as you know, I did not give you price per person because I don't know what venues are charging right now for next year or the year after, you know, everything's going to be different, especially because of what we're going through with COVID. So, you know, everybody who's going through different things online, the bride groups right now are being blown up regarding COVID. People are bashing vendors, loving vendors, 
hating venues, loving venues. There's like a million things. So like you have to take, take it nice and slow and maybe read it, maybe ignore some of it, you know, ask questions if you choose to, but really go directly to a professional, whether it is the venue, the vendor directly, or if it is a planner, because, you know, everyone has gotten very upset and mad, rightfully so, I understand, you know, I'm not a bride right now, but I feel like I am because I have so many brides, you know, in my, in my network, in my client base right now. And you have the right to be upset. You have the right to be mad about what is going on, but you have to remember that you did find the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. So instead of being so negative and bashing people and vendors and venues online and giving negative information to the new brides and the future brides who are so excited to be engaged, let's all try to be, you know, a little bit more positive. And that's why I'm kind of stating that as far as if you're newly engaged and you're on the different bride groups, there's a million of them. So I don't even, I don't even know the exact names. Um, they're all very helpful. And then they could also be very harmful to your planning. So that's all I yeah. have to say about that. I think that everybody yeah. has a different situation. Everyone has a different budget. You can't listen to everything that you read. You can't listen to everything that you hear. And you kind of just need to ask as many questions as humanly possible, especially now planning a wedding. You need to ask a million and one question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, and every bride is different in the way that some brides are very DIY, like can do it yourself, like kind of bride who can be the Pinterest bride who can do some decor themselves, you know, so they might add more, like more of their budget might go toward you know, booking a band or booking something like that opposed to the flowers because they're going to handle some of the decor for the tables and whatnot by themselves opposed to renting or, or you know, purchasing centerpieces for their day where others want to have the budget more involved into the decor and go with, you know, a DJ opposed to a band to, like, trade out their you know financial commitments that way and and just for the record neither one of that is wrong it's actually it's just every bride is different strengths and weaknesses are different as well yeah I mean and it's you know we always say bride all the time and it cracks me up because you know <laughs> it is a couple as much as people think the grooms don't have an opinion or you know if it's a same-sex couple one gets forgotten you know, most of my clients, I mean, it's 50-50, but I hear from my brides and my grooms. You know, the grooms and the negotiators, the brides are the decor and the vision, you know, but I definitely hear from both of them. And I agree. I mean, everybody has a different vision for a wedding. Everyone has a different budget. And if you have the time to be DIY and to make things, that's great. Yes, you'll save money on a decor and floral aspect, but the reason why decor and floral costs what it costs is because of the amount of time it takes to do the things. 
So, you know, where you can, where I was making bows to go on the end of chairs, you know, the other day for a wedding, a floral decor company can charge you for something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, all of the costs, say it's $150 for 10 bows. People look at that and be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And I'm like, you try making bows for for 10 rows that are all perfect. And they all look exactly the same. You know, so like those are the things that being in the industry as long as I've been in, it takes a lot of time to do certain things, even with a band, even with a DJ. You know, um, I hear these things come up all the time now, especially because of COVID. And, you know, a new band, let's say a band was booked for this year, gets rescheduled to next year. The band's not available and people are losing their minds. And I get it. But, you know deposits aren't refundable and then people get mad and then it's more, you know, we need to find the right fit. Let's find another one. And it's a lot of aggravation and it's, you know, there are certain ways to handle certain situations. And like you said, with the DIY versus not DIY, you know, if you have the time, especially during COVID DIY, everything, you know, you will definitely save some money, but you have to remember that the amount of time, try clocking all the hours that it takes for you to do the DIY stuff and then buy all the materials. And you'll be like, oh, this is why the florist would have charged me like $2,000 for that. Right. Oh, right. and I'm not hate, and I'm not hating on it by laughing at it because I do it all the time. Like I'll put stickers on things for clients or I'll make certain things and I won't charge for it because I have time to do it. So like, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just watch TV and drink some rosé and it's Sunday and like, I'll just do it. And then like seven hours later, I'm like, why am I not done with this? <laughs> I was, And it has nothing to do with the rosé. It's the fact that it is the most tedious project you've ever imagined, ever. Right. Oh, yeah. I read something today um that someone like made their own flower wall and it cost them 150 dollars which is which is nothing for a flower wall and um it looked great and they were like yeah you know um it it was great but it took me it took me so long to make (coughs) because it was all done by it was all done by going to like the dollar store buying an insane amount of flowers and it looked amazing but the amount of time it took to hot glue gun it on the wood wall and make sure that every flower looked great you know um it can definitely be done um there's definitely whoever not to interrupt you whoever made that flower wall can definitely reach out to me right i know i can rent it for them and they can ma- make back their money on all the time it took to make the flower wall. Because <laughs> when you think about it and you see it online and you're like, oh, my God, Amazon says it's only $100. I'm going to buy it. And then it shows up in like 40,000 pieces. And you're like, it's like getting something from Ikea. Right? <laughs> it's like the same thing as planning a wedding, right? Planning a wedding is like getting something from Ikea. Because there's so many pieces that have to get put together and you have to do it, keeping your sanity and making sure that it becomes like a finished product. That's my that's my big analogy of the <laughs> and no, I let, and and I can 
a hundred percent agree with that. Wedding planning takes a lot of moving compo- like components, and um, you know that's why you need to get a wedding planner. That's why you need to get Sarah. <laughs> appreciate that but seriously (laughs) anybody who's listening that is interested in finding out more about budgeting I cannot tell you what your budget should be but I can provide you I'll create a list I can share it these are the things that I've seen in a budget venue band DJ flowers invitations etc and you could do what you want with it and at least it could be like a first step into you know, creating some sort of a budget. But like I said, if you want to get married next year in 2021, you need to reach out to the venues yesterday. So start talking to people, find out available dates, different venues are going to have different options depending on where they are. And then you can go from there based on like what the numbers are. Now, I just had one kind of last question for you. Um, due to everything going on with COVID and, you know, people are planning obviously for next year. I see that there are a lot of like a big influx on backyard weddings and things being outdoors. Um, and I do think that that's going to be the, not just the new thing, but the thing for a while, um, you know, just not being able to have large gatherings. And indoor gatherings, you know, recently, um, I think that a lot of people are going to feel more comfortable having outdoor gatherings due to, you know, maybe the safety of their guests. Mm -hmm. And something that we just have going on is like doing backyard parties, renting tents, stuff like that. Um, Just the additional cost of that to kind of give people an idea that, you know, sometimes you have a backyard event and you think that it's going to be less expensive to do, but I want people to be realistic and know that it also could cost just as much to do it in your backyard as it could to go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, backyard weddings, venues, even that are offering tents and all of that, let's talk backyard only. When you have a backyard wedding, that means you're bringing everything in. If you're taking COVID into your precaution, any of my clients that are working with me right now for the rest of the year, they know that you're bringing in a tent, you're bringing in bathrooms, you're bringing in staff, you're bringing in masks and sanitizer. You want to make sure everybody's comfortable. Then you have your catering aspect, your bartender, your music. It is not the case that it is always cheaper to do it in your backyard. You know, COVID or not, some of the biggest backyard weddings that I've done cost more than they did if they would have went to a venue. It doesn't mean that that's, they weren't going for the cheaper route, but they were going for whatever they were going for as far as like feel and vision. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be cheaper because it's in your backyard. Yes, it can be if you don't need a tent and you don't need all of those things. But if you are having any sort of event in a yard on a property that is like projected to be outside, my one guidance, if you're not hiring me anyway, is to put a tent on a like backup plan. You pay a deposit. It is a non-refundable deposit. You lose it if you don't use it. 
but especially for the summer and into the fall, it is very hot. As we all know, we are in a heat wave. It has been going on what seems like forever. You have to have a tent on hold. If you don't do it, it is a mistake. Storms come out of nowhere. The heat is insane. You want to make sure that you have your entire plan put together and like it's a your puzzle is going to come together the right way because the tent is like a very costly item depending on how large your event is but you need to have one on hold yeah and 100% yep 100% I agree with that as well and I just wanted all of our listeners to also hear that from you because I've said that to a lot of people in the past who want to do an outside event also, it's just always a 50-50 on if you are going, if it's going to rain or not going to rain. So you really should have that tent as a backup no matter what. So, yeah, I mean, backyard parties, yes. Can they be cheaper if you have certain connections for certain vendors or caterers or whatever? You can save on certain things. But it doesn't mean that when you put everything into a sheet that you are spending that much less in your backyard than you would have at a venue where you had like a good rain plan or backup plan, et cetera. You know, right now we're doing backyard parties. We're doing smaller parties in backyards because that's all we're allowed to do right now. Um, venues are slowly starting to do micro events, you know, for different brides, grooms, couples. Um, but you know, right now you have to do it in the backyard. Or yep. on a smaller property. You have to. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I'm really glad that you came on today. Um, I think that you gave a lot of our a lot of our couples, you know, some food for thought, some things to think about as they start their journey with planning or are in the process of planning and kind of seeing what their next steps should be and what they you know, should look out for in terms of venues, vendors, planning, and so forth. Um, obviously, a lot of our listeners have heard you on the podcast before, but I just want to tell everybody where they can follow you on Instagram, which is at FY Parties. Um, Sarah is great. She will take really good care of you. She will point you in the right direction of places and people that will match your budget and give you exactly what you're looking for. And um, she, like I said, she's a wealth of knowledge. She knows so many places, so many people, so many things, and she will only steer you in the right direction. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I hope that some of my information was helpful, even though I feel like I was on a tangent certain times. <laughs> um, but like I said, budgeting for a wedding is not something people wake up and they're like, oh, I know how much money I want to spend on a wedding. Um, but if you have a number, like I said, yes, you could follow me on Instagram. It's FY parties. If you want to email me, my email is through my Instagram. You'll see it. Um, kind of like a for me to rattle it off now, you're not going to remember or listen or write it down anyway. Um, <laughs> but definitely reach out if you have any sort of questions regarding your wedding plans, your budgeting, and I'd be happy to help. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. 
Thank you all for tuning in to this Monday's episode of the Bride Tender podcast. You can catch up and follow me on Instagram at the Kansi Guru. Um, you can follow my Kansi table displays at Eventpire, my event blog showcasing the top event planning trends on Long Island at the Long Island Eventista. And of course, if you're not already following, make sure to follow the Bride Tender um, each week for fun facts on the wedding industry, ways to save money on your big day, and of course, hiring the best vendors in the business. Um, of course, make sure to follow Sarah at FY Parties. She's always at new places, seeing new things, um, giving us, you know, all all the juice we need on the industry as well as everything that's been going on with COVID and how we can prepare best for weddings moving forward. Um, so thank you all so much for tuning into this week's podcast. Until next week, mix yourself a cocktail, slide into my DMs with questions you want answered on all things weddings. Stay sane, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.